0: Innisfirgedance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. the Innis Forgedance. At supper, great-aunt Nula, the wise woman of Inniscombe, learns of Porter's impending visit to the widow Warren, and expresses concern. Pa threatens that if Porter shirks his chores even once, he will no longer be allowed to visit the town's healer. Porter in Inniscombe. By the time Porter finished supper and mounted Banjo, one of the family's two gray horses, the autumn sky was freckled with pink clouds, the first sign of impending evening. The horses swayed and clomped down the rocky North Mountain Road. Innescombe Proper sat in a bowl surrounded by the Innis Mountains. At just the right bend in their road leading down the North Mountain, Porter could view every majestic peak. The town was in the bottom of it all, a modest cluster of homes and buildings, each turned this way and that, with a main road meandering through them all. The whole place looked as though a divine hand had played a game of jacks, scattered the pieces, and left them there. And no one Porter asked, not even Great Aunt Nula with all her years and wisdom, Knew anything substantial about the ancestors that brought them to the land. Thankfully, Dolly Hampton didn't live all the way down the mountain and deep into town. The Hamptons and the Hollises were the only home places on the North Mountain. Porter could spot their broken fence at the leftward bend in the road. Almost there, he thought. Porter put a stick of beef jerky in his teeth and watched with a pit in his stomach as indigo spread across the pink cloud-dappled sky like spilled ink. Should he dare stay out after dark with Dolly? He held the reins in one hand and lit a lantern in the other. He licked his lips, then never seen come with the set-setting sun. In his folk legend, whenever any dared to tell it, claimed the never seen were once powerful spirit beings with human-like forms ages before. They entered from another realm and haunted Innisfolk ancestors who fled from one place to another, never able to rid themselves of the beings of darkness. Only once they came to this faraway valley did a spirit healer from the native tribe use his knowledge of the other world to rid the Innisfolk the best way he knew how. He trapped the entities in soul form, like stars fallen to earth, and left Innisfolk with a word of warning. Robbed of their prior form and trapped as glowing orbs, the Neverseen would still haunt the night, kept at bay by light. If a person ventured into the darkness without a lantern or another light for protection, the being could possess them and take control. But how? He had asked, as a small boy sitting on his family's quilt at the Remembrance Day picnic, the springtime graveyard gathering, when Ennisfolk relished the memories of loved ones long gone. How did the never seen come to curse our people in the first place, and why? He was no more than seven or eight at the time. Pa had gripped his small shoulder until his thumb dug under the blade, and Porter choked back a cry. The town elders had bristled like chickens when a fox prowls the cage. This is a time for rememberin', son, not questionin'. they had said. But it seemed no one remembered anything actually important. Porter had swallowed his questions down that day and every day since, bitterly accepting that maybe the answer was indeed lost to time. But he quietly, stubbornly believed If Innisfolk could uncover why the spirits came to haunt them in the first place, maybe they could banish them once and for all. "'Porter Hollis, you know I got a curfew!' Dolly's sweet voice rang like a triangle bell from the front porch. Porter had been so lost in thought, he'd almost gone right past the Hampton home place. He pulled on the reins, bringing Banjo to a stop, and dismounted the horse, securing him to the fence." He held his lantern in front of him as he approached the Hampton home place, loosening the chin string of his black felt hat, and flicked at its brim, letting it fall and hang at his back. The Hamptons, for a reason Porter never knew but was always grateful, never eyed him with suspicion or asked him loaded questions about Mama or his voice. Visiting Dolly and her family was a much needed reprieve from the whispers and sidelong glances of the rest of town. Despite the thickening thread of oncoming darkness, a slight warmth trickled over him. He could see Dolly's silhouette in one of the rockers, her knees pulled up to her chest in a most unladylike fashion, a lantern next to her chair. He smiled. "'If nightfall ain't your curfew, I dare say curfew don't... don't... do much good.'" "'You got me there,' She rocked forward off the chair, picked up her lantern, and trotted down the stairs, light as an autumn leaf in a breeze. Their lantern's golden light gave an amber glow to her warm brown eyes. Sit with me on the porch? He nodded, and she smiled, bobbing her head toward the cabin, and he followed her. Rumor said Dolly's mother's line went all the way back to the Koyahota, the native tribe that left the land and its cursed newcomers without a backward glance. Had she heard different stories while sitting at her grandpap's side? Did those stories give different information about the neverseen? He'd wanted to ask, but didn't want to be nosy or insensitive. Although Dolly's grandfather had died several years before, she could still barely speak of the man without getting choked up. Porter had only just sat down when the cabin door scraped open, and Roger Hampton leaned out, banjo in hand. Freshen up the fennel over the door, will you, Delanaga? Dolly sat on the bench underneath one of the cabin's two windows. Yes, sir. Strummin sounds go- good tonight, Porter said. Wrist not bo- bothering you? Comes and goes, Dolly's father replied, holding up his left hand and rotating it. Cold weather coming always makes my joints feel like a rusted crank, though. Feel it already. I'm enjoying all the ditties I can for now. Y'all be safe. He slipped back inside, shutting the door. A moment later, a melancholy lilt filtered through the cracks in the cabin's old walls. Dolly turned to Porter and shrugged. Davina Warren hasn't even been able to help Pat much. Hank's the oldest of my younger brothers and... He's still a good four years or so away from being much help on the farm. If it gets too much worse, I fear I can help, Porter said. I'm solid at most chores my pa asks me to do nowadays. And give Mrs. Warren time. She can fix anything, he shrugged, remembering. Almost. You can always try Rachel Bull, right? Dolly shook her head. She's too green. Widow Warren's older and more experienced than any healer our town can remember. If she can't do it... She looked down at her hands, scraping a bit of dirt out from under her pinky fingernail. Well, what brings you here tonight? Widow Warren, actually. Dolly blinked. You feeling sick? He shook his head. "I I want my mother's whole story... So I need to start as close to the beginning as... His muscles seized up and refused to relent. He fought the tension but couldn't even manage to swallow. He clenched his fists, pounding them on the arms of the rocking chair. You want to start as close to the beginning as you can, Dolly finished for him. He nodded helplessly. Someone who was with your mama when you were first born who might have even watched your mama come earthside. He nodded again. His muscles gave way slightly, and he managed to swallow. He rubbed his neck. I see. Even when she stood, Dolly was still more than a head shorter than him. She handed Porter his lantern and picked up her own. The folk healer is well older than your own great-aunt Nula, and been delivering mothers of their babies since she was our age. She's seen just as much of the town as any elder you could ask, but even more, she's invited into homes when no one else is allowed. Her eyes glowed up at him with realization. You just might be on to something. Think she'll see me? Widow Warren ain't scared of you, Porter. Will you? I'll be your voice. With a small smile, she cocked her head in the direction of the porch steps. Follow me to the herb garden? They trotted down the steps and toward the far end of the yard, where the family garden sat. As their footsteps crunched on rock and autumn dry grass, sleeping chickens clucked and stirred in their coop, stealing themselves as though for a coming predator. One of the Hampton's donkeys brayed from inside the barn. Away from the faint glow of candles in cabin windows, Porter stopped, Letting Dolly continue ahead to the herb garden that surrounded their well, he held his lantern behind his back, allowing the darkness to clarify around him. It was rare to truly enjoy a starry sky for fear of the never seen. Had there ever been a time when Innisfolk hadn't had to live with fear of night? He squinted, straining to see past the trees and vines of the forest, their silhouettes black as iron. But no lights lurked in the woods, yet. What you doin'? Dolly approached again, her lantern in one hand and a large bunch of fennel clutched in the other, lookin'. Dolly looked too. Her confident demeanor gave way as her wide eyes scanned the tree line. She hugged the fennel to herself. Ever wonder how real it all is? Images flashed through his mind himself at five, crouched behind the rocking chair and watching Pa peel the tired husk of Mama off the floor and laying her on the bed. At nine, when a group of boys in town ran past him while holding their fingers up like X's as if to ward him off, all the times Collie said she'd give anything for a normal life and stopped just short of saying, even you the morning of his 16th birthday when he woke up and his throat felt tight as a seized hamstring, his voice stolen. Not really. It's real enough in my world, he finished in his mind. Dolly bit her lip. Illness, injuries, problems you can touch, problems you can't. It's all the never seen, trying to punish us if they can't possess us. Her eyes snapped over to meet his. Or, that's what the town tells us. Porter hesitated, then dared. Were you told anything... different? My grandpap's line goes straight back to the Koyahota, to the one man who stayed with the folk and Mara, the woman he loved. A mischievous gleam lit her brown eyes, but her voice sounded thicker when she spoke. Wow. He feigned surprise, as though he hadn't heard the rumors, and scraped the toe of his boot in the dirt, debating. Did Grandpap ever talk of my my mother? Her lips twisted to the side. He said his memory got worse with age. He could still remember the old stories, the very oldest, but said the more recent stuff, from when he was coming of age, got patchy. Porter sighed. But he insisted that in his family, no one ever said the spirit healer trapped him in soul form. She gave him a look, but he waited, unsure what she meant. He said the haints arrive that way. Porter straightened. They were phantom lights, even when the Innis folk arrived? It sounds like a fib, but I trusted my grandpap. Maybe that's why the town got to dislike him. He talked a lot. Like me, says Mama. Dolly grew silent, her eyes drifting to the sky. Don't tail Kirkman Celia think so, she said softly. But I'm pretty sure Grandpap watches and is with me. Porter smiled. I wish I knew him. I wish you did too. She half smiled and bunched her faded skirt. Porter recognized Goldenrod dye when he saw it, thanks to Colleen and Mama, into the hand that clutched the fennel, ascending the cabin steps. Grandpap's version of the story made the elders uncomfortable. We know the lanterns and the herbs keep the never-seen-away, they say. What more do we need details for? It's bad luck to talk of the dead and defeated. You don't believe that, I see. She bit her lip and eyed the fennel in her hand. Something tells me stories have power. It's why I want to help you learn the truth of yours." Reaching for a braided rope that hung from the door like a noose, she threaded the fennel through and tightened it so the herbs hung upside down. Pinching a length of plant, she drew her fingers down and caught its tiny seeds in her palm, kneeling to drop them inside the door's keyhole. "'That the never seen may never enter,' she quoted. Straightening, she spoke softer. You sure you'll be okay riding home alone at night? Porter stiffened. He'd focused so intently on spending time with Dolly that the reality of a night ride home hadn't sunk in. All at once, his neck and throat muscles tightened, so the only answer he could give was a shake of his head. Dolly bit her lip. Lamp's got enough oil in it? He nodded, pulling the chin string of his hat until he could reach the brim and tug it back over his head. Next time your pa wants to go to town, stop by and take me, too. We can try to visit Davina Warren. The Innes Forgetance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Neverseen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelai. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind-the-scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a Pen. Ooh.